Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way, our Southridge member podcast, uh, giving us some inside scoops on what God's doing around our church. Uh, I'm joined here by now podcast veteran, uh, family ministry pastor, Carrie Jones. Carrie, welcome here. Thank you. Good to be here. And uh, happy belated Mother's Day. Thank you, thank you. Hope your uh, Mother's Day was special yesterday. Yep, feeling celebrated. Uh, you are a, like you said, a, a, a podcast veteran, so we've already accessed all of the background on your family dynamics and history and whatever. Yep. Uh, can you tell us one thing we might not know about you, something that, uh, in addition to what you've already shared? Yeah, sure. I mean, one of the things about me is I am... A lifelong learner. I love to learn. And about, oh goodness, seven years or so ago, I got really hooked into this thing called the Enneagram. And so kind of took a deep dive into all things Enneagram, which is a, a tool to understand nine different personality types. And just last year became certified as an Enneagram facilitator. So yeah. Yeah, we have a number of people interested in this tool it's kind of an assessment tool, right? To discover a, a personality type of yourself and, yeah. and to learn about others and how you relate and all this. And it's become pretty popular around here. And you've kind of become now this guru to help us translate and understand each other. And so if anyone wants to know their personality <laughs> type or if there are two spouses or friends listening that want to discover their personality That's types right. according to the Enneagram, Carrie is your go-to well, we'll uh, resident expert on the Enneagram around here. That's great. Hey, this uh, this Mother's Day weekend, uh, similar to what we did in our uh, weekend service last year at Mother's Day weekend, uh, we want to camp out a little bit on this female empowerment movement that we've seen God doing among us in the last number of years, uh, basically pursuing this vision for the spiritual moms in our community, together with the spiritual dads in our community, to be better parenting this family together. Uh, so last year we did an entire Sunday morning interview with some of the key players. And if you want to access that, you can, uh, look at our message archives and find that video. I don't want to be redundant here. I want to actually have a, a deeper dive, but just for review, Carrie, uh, why, why have we ended up on this journey of female empowerment? Where did this come from? Yeah, so um, we would have started this journey. Oh gosh, I was a board member at the time, so seven, eight, nine years ago. Does that sound about right? Probably, yeah. Um, and we would have built a, a connection, a friendship with Ellen Duffields. That um, Ellen is a friend and a consultant, and she's a part of Muskoka Woods, specifically at the leadership studio there. And um, that would have been around the same time that we were realizing that we had a disproportionate amount of men in leadership and would have even been accused of being um, a boys club. And so that's really when we wanted to start turning the tide and realized that that, even though from a theological perspective, we believed in, um, you know, egalitarian theology, we believed that men and women lead the family of God together Unless we made an intentional choice, things weren't going to change. And so it had to be a deliberately intentional choice. And so, um, so yeah, that's kind of how we got here. Henry Cloud once said, when capacity is low, apply external structure. You exactly. know, get an outside force to help you become different. And uh, tracking with your recollection, you know, I started in ministry 
some almost 22 years ago now. And uh, there was an era where those of us who were leading were predominantly guys, but were viewed kind of as a cute little band of brothers. <laughs> we were at a certain age and stage in our ministry. Uh, that cute little band of brothers somewhere along the road started to look and feel to people more like an impenetrable boys club. And it was when we were getting that vibe that I think we were realizing, wow, um, we're, we're kind of living out the definition of insanity here where we're continuing to do the same things, not even knowing what we're doing or not doing, expecting that we're going to get different results and that the male and female leaders being better together is going to normalize but it wasn't. And we needed an external support or resource or whatever. And uh, through Chris Fowler and then Sophia Adama, God was uh, gracious enough to put us in contact with Ellen and kind of the rest was history for there. Um, I guess, you know, digging into this a little bit deeper, why from your perspective were these issues not automatically resolving themselves? You know, Ellen brought to us uh, the values of disproportionate investment and disproportionate invitation. That's really what our whole strategy has kind of uh, been anchored in. Without that, why were things not resolving themselves? Why were things continuing on and not changing? Yeah, so part of the part of the learning that we received from Ellen, and this is based on really her lifelong research around this issue, is that a girl's confidence peaks at the age of nine. And so after that, girls, women, females, we all begin this journey of defaulting toward insecurity. And so unless there is intentional investment, that's the journey that we end up taking. And again, research would indicate that women are about 10 years behind men in finding their sense of vocation, their sense of voice, their sense of calling. And so you can imagine how that plays out in a church setting. It just means that unless we really disproportionately invest in women, um, things don't change just by good intention. Yeah, or just by telling them, hey, come on, step right. up, or or giving them permission, hey, you can step up, just so you know, totally, right? Totally. It doesn't automatically happen. Now, let's drill down into that a little bit deeper. You cite this statistic that Ellen kind of bases a lot of her, her uh, strategy around, that uh, a woman's confidence or a girl's confidence peaks at age nine. Carrie, how real is that in your experience, in your own life, with daughters, with friends that are females, in the church, even outside the church? Like, can you speak to that kind of anecdotally? Absolutely. It was definitely true in in my own story. Um, I'm a mom of three daughters. I can see it having played out in my girls' journey. I can see it in their friends. I can see it in the girls that we work with through family ministry and through um, our Brave program. It's just a very, very real epidemic. And it, I mean, of course there are exceptions, but by and large, that's just real. And so you see, especially if you see a family where there's a brother and a sister with the same parents and the same values and the same messages, you'll see that the boys will default right for right or for wrong towards confidence. And the girls often for no good reason will default towards insecurity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've laughed at this about my family because uh, you know, you've got three girls, I've got two boys and a, and a daughter. 
And when you interact with our family, you see the species of person that defaults to confidence instead of defaults to insecurity. And it is so stark how, how that works at a young age, let alone how that works into adulthood. And just so we're clear, like this isn't the fault of a church or even a faith or theological system. This is a kind of culturally ingrained effect uh, according to Ellen's research, this is a culturally ingrained effect that can get compounded or exacerbated by the church. Mm-hmm. But it, it, this is way bigger than just, yep. you know, in, yep. in a... Yeah, in a, she would even uh, say universal. Yeah, that this is a universal, right, global, you know, across all cultures. Absolutely. Uh, kind of a dynamic. And and it is, it is palpable. Uh, yeah. We feel it around the office. Uh, we see it in families. I wouldn't have realized until Ellen awakened me to it uh, in uh, my relationship with Becky and just our differences and where we're coming from. It 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 really is stark. And I, I, I say this just to take a bit of a, a tangent because one of the questions that I hear a lot, especially as we get into this year after year, this female empowerment movement is, why aren't we making an equivalent investment in boys mm. and in men? And, you know, why isn't there a male empowerment movement? Do you want to speak to that first or me? I, I'll let you start and then I'll, I'll, I'll pitch in. But yeah, I do have some thoughts on yeah, that. Yeah, I just, it, when, when, when the church is already oriented to guys, it's already full of male role models and guys are already defaulting to confidence. There isn't an underlying issue at that remedial level that we're trying to address, mm. right? Our ministry in general and the way that we foster a lifestyle of full devotion in inspiration, connection, and action, and then in age-appropriate ways to families. We've talked about this in this podcast a number of times. Um, you know, that's designed in a very co-ed way, right? We're, we're, we're offering that and inspiring that life of faith to men and women. Yeah. The female empowerment movement is a corrective. Yeah. It's addressing a problem that that is a, a unique challenge to females that is not common to males. Mm-hmm. So, We're not offering these kinds of things to guys and to boys because we're offering a general ministry to both men and women, but not trying to provide something remedial or restorative to correct or support this issue that is a unique challenge for women that men don't face, both in the internal lack of confidence or default insecurity and in the external reality of there being all kinds of inspiring role models and pathways that are already existing for them to emulate, right? We don't have that as much uh, on the female side. We want to. And so we're investing this disproportionate mm-hmm. energy into trying to get there. Yeah. That would 100%. be my answer. So you can react to that, make some comments on that too. Yeah, no, I, I would be totally tracking with that. And I envision a day when perhaps we won't even need something like, we're going to talk about it in a few minutes, but something like Brave Girls, because we will just have a generation of kids that grow up to be leaders. And so at some point, it would be amazing if, you know, the things that we've learned in in our Brave program actually get implemented into youth. And, and we just have a generation of, of kids and young people that are just going for it and live out this kind of holy confidence. Yeah. And, and, and. This doesn't mean, you know, to say this is why we're not making these 
kind of overt, deliberate investments in guys and in boys, it, it doesn't mean that we believe that the ministry our church provides is perfect sure. or flawless. Or, and I'm, I'm saying this not just as a, 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 to a leader who is championing the female empowerment side of this, but also to, you're, you're our family ministry pastor. You yeah. oversee all of the ministries that are fostering or exposing people to a lifestyle of full devotion in age-appropriate ways. And there, there's a sense in which these experiments mm. and these disproportionate investments we're making in girls and in women, uh, we're trying to take some of the learnings and apply it to our whole ministry as a church or our whole ministry, specifically in kids or student yeah. ministry, so that we can do the whole ministry better. I wouldn't want, mm-hmm. uh, you know people who are friends of or spouses of or parents of men or boys to think that we're just ignoring the development of guys. We're not. We're offering things for both men and women uh, from a spiritual development perspective. And we want to continue to offer those better. We want to continue to make improvements and to learn how to do that better. It's just the difference between improving and disproportionately investing in something that is in a remedial place uh, in the life of our church. And so it's with that kind of urgency and rationale that we're making this, as Ellen describes it, this disproportionate investment yeah. and this disproportionate invitation in the season that we find ourselves in now. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, for review, uh, when we talk about this female leadership empowerment movement, there are some key kind of strategic investments or components to it. Can you just Mm-hmm. summarize those again for us. Yeah, sure. So we have the Brave Girls program. It's a three-year program beginning with girls in grade six. And um, actually, we now have an alumni program. And these are girls that are in high school. And that group is actually increasing year after year. So we have um, year one, year two, year three, and now alumni. And our Brave Girls program um, meets once a month. We have a series of retreats. And it's just a phenomenal program. We are just finishing our seventh year in that program. Amazing. Amazing. Then we also have um, Next Level. So Next Level, I kind of compare it as it's like a parallel journey um, for female leaders around here at Southridge. All three of our locations, all different ages. And it would be a two-year journey. Um, we actually just graduated our second year of Next Level uh, Ladies this past Our second cohort our second of cohort two years. Of yeah. two years. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Uh, this past January. And so um, we're actually looking to start our next group in the fall of this year. So those are the two, the two main things that are happening in the world of female empowerment. And Next Level would include, again, similar to Brave Girls, retreat experiences, yep. workshops, homework, yep. you know, small group times, th- those kinds of things. Exactly, so. exactly. Um, and it would be a, a series of modules that we that we um, complete over the year years and big topics. You know, we talk about things like communication and change management and life balance and walking in step with the spirit and connection and polarities and what healthy leadership looks like. And we talk a lot about doing your own inner soul work so that you're an integrated leader and the strengths that women bring to leadership so that when opportunities rise up, these women jump into those opportunities because they feel equipped and they feel ready and that they know they have voice um, to try to counteract that default insecurity. Yeah, very good. Uh, Can can you give us a bit of description for the members who are listening? Uh, Because I get asked this from time to time. 
how does a person get to participate in these things? Yeah. So start with the brave girls. How, how does a girl know about this, sign up for this, get selected for this? Is there some secret handshake you have to know? Like, <laughs> no. how, how does that work? No, it's actually pretty simple. So if you are, if your daughter, if you as a girl are a regular attender around here at Southridge and you're going into grade six, you will receive an invitation from me this summer. Um, and you don't have to take that invitation. I lay it out pretty clearly that this is a massive commitment and it's, um, something that we require 99.9, participation in. So when I invite these girls, um, at the end of July, beginning of August, later this summer, I will give them the retreat dates, the monthly dates, everything in writing that's required. And they either say yes or no, but as far as the, you know, actual invitation in, it's really be a regular attender and be going into grade six, be a female, and that's pretty much yeah, it. Once idea. you're in, the standard is really, really high, and we hold these girls to um, a super high commitment, but the actual criteria, we're trying to actually make it as inclusive as possible. Yeah, the invitation is all-inclusive. Yeah. The expectation, though, is not. No. This isn't something that you do in the spare time Mm-mm. when you don't have soccer practice or piano or dance or That's extra right. homework or maybe you don't feel like it. or Like, this is your top priority mm-hmm. for those really three years, right? In year one, year two, and year three. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, if you, if you can't make that full commitment mm-hmm. to the investment that we're trying to make in girls in this brave girl way... Uh, then maybe this isn't for you. But on the invitation side, mm-hmm. it is accessible to anyone who's a regular around here Absolutely. at that age and stage. Absolutely. And just to kind of add to that, so we do take it a year at a time. So after first year, for example, girls have a chance to opt in for the next year. Or if for whatever reason their circumstances change and they can't be all in for year two, totally fine. There's no shame in that. We would actually rather than be upfront about that at the beginning. Um, but what we actually are finding at is that in years past, we would lose quite a few girls from year one to graduation. And our um, we're actually retaining a lot more girls year after year after year. So for example, this June, we have 10 girls graduating. We also have 10 girls in year one. So that's really, really cool. And part yeah, of that he, is- The 10 girls that are graduating this year were the 10 girls that started year one? Is that what you're saying? Um, I'm just comparing like we have 10 girls in year one. We oh, also okay. have 10 girls oh, graduating. Okay. Okay. So it's not like the number necessarily dwindles down to like three. Right. Okay. okay. Um, so I think this year, I don't think we actually, I think we retained all of our girls, wow. which was really, really great. And there's all kinds of reasons for that. And one of them is we actually start the girls younger. So when the program first started, we started girls in high school. And as we've worked together with Ellen, the goal has always been to begin these girls in grade six, because again, we know that after age nine, that's when their insecurity begins to plummet and that's when they begin to default to insecurity. And as so close we to wanna, age nine as possible. Exactly. exactly. We want that early intervention. Um, so anyways, just to add to, yes, it's um, as far as getting into the program, be a regular attender, be going into grade six. Once you're in the program, the standard and the expectation is very, very high. And we do review that each year. We also expect the girls in our program to be influencers and leaders around here. And so by the time they're in year three, we expect them to be serving somewhere in our church um, on a Sunday morning or even in one of our anchor causes. And then we also expect this program to be over and above our youth ministry. And that's something that we've become really clear on in the past um I would call that a learning. That's a learning. (laughs) Yeah. 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 This is not instead of youth ministry. This is over and above youth ministry because we want the leadership that these girls are 
experiencing and the leaders that they're becoming to actually influence and shape the youth ministry that we have. We need them. Yeah. Uh, can you comment similarly? Because I know the, the criteria is a little bit different with Next Level. So for adult women that get yeah. invited into Next Level, it's it, each of these two-year cohorts is only two years at a time or only two dozen people at a time. That's right. So it's it's not nearly as all-inclusive accommodating anybody who would like to participate. Uh, there is a little bit more discernment and strategy around these groups. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So there would be a few things. I mean... Um, uh, we usually have about 20 people in these groups, and I would say we want to make sure that each of our locations is represented, so that's a factor. And and these are people that are leading something. These are people that are all in. These are people that are load-bearing walls around here. And so this would be um, a decision our leadership team makes to make sure that we are you know, investing in the up-and-coming leaders in our midst. Yeah, we do a, a, a fairly comprehensive process, mm-hmm. and we'll be launching into this this spring and over the summer in advance of this next cohort, where ministry leaders from all of our different departmental areas across all of our locations will make recommendations and say, hey, here are the significant mm-hmm. female leaders in my context. And that actually creates a fairly sizable list. It does. Right? Of that, you know, ultimately 20 invites or whatever, we'll probably have 50 or 60 names on this mm-hmm. list. Mm-hmm. And then have to kind of filter down to, you know, what what are the most uh, kind of appropriate or the the really the best investments that we can make mm-hmm. in our church and in this overall movement of Mm-hmm. female empowerment and cultivating the partnership between spiritual moms and spiritual dads among yeah. this list. And so there, there is a little bit more, I don't want to use the word exclusivity, but there is a little bit more selectivity maybe mm-hmm. uh, in the next level leadership cohorts because they're, they're not as large as, uh, as maybe they could be with all of the women who are serving in all the different capacities across right. the life of our church. So that's right. Just so people are, are, are understanding where that comes from. The, the other thing I want to talk about just in, in uh, what, what's currently happening is, is this idea of alum. Because mm, at first right. we didn't have alum, but now, uh, you know, we've had now two two-year cohorts of next level leaders graduate and they've become a, a group that's journeying mm-hmm. themselves Similarly, we've had now in seven years of Brave Girls, we've got year over year now graduates becoming part of an Mm -hmm. alumni cluster there. And in both cases, what is so cool is in both cases, those alumni groups are not just groups that continue to grow themselves. They're actually groups that are continuing now to reinvest themselves Mm -hmm. into mentoring and into support of both the next level leaders and especially the brave girls leaders. So talk about how the the recycling now is starting to happen because I think that that's one of the cool fruits of this yeah, 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 uh, yeah. seven or eight years into this. Yeah. So after the the first um, group of next level um, ladies graduated, they would have started an alumni journey under the leadership of Bonnie Fowler. And uh, that would have been a couple of years that we would have gathered and talked about all different, um, whether it was leadership topics or spiritual formation topics. And some of those we actually even led and taught each other or brought in speakers. And that was just a really rich time of, of community building and growing together. And now we have a second group of Next Level ladies that have just graduated. And so Polly Buma is actually taking over the leadership of the alumni group. And she is going to weave together both the first and the second cohort of Next Level ladies into one alumni um, 
experience. And so that's just in the midst of really taking off. Um, some of the cool ways that we partner, you know, between Brave and Next Level is um, we have our year two girls all um, partnered with a prayer partner from the Next Level group. Um, you know, we have a graduation coming up in June where our year three girls are graduating from Brave and we have our Next Level ladies are all invited to that. And again, it's just a really neat parallel journey that we're on. I should mention too, Next Level. So we have Kara Mackay heads that up and between Kara Mackay and Joan Hyatt and myself, we are the facilitators um, of that material. And we actually work in collaboration with Ellen Duffield, who oversees all of the Next Level um, curriculum. And so just want to say that the Next Level material, it isn't something that we just kind of like pull out of thin air month after month. It is like hardcore leadership curriculum that Karen and Joan and I are trained in. We're recertified in it every year through the leadership yeah, you studio. You have to spend a weekend in the Muskokas to get recertified in order for yes. us as Southridge to be able to offer this right. quality of curriculum in-house mm -hmm. in a Southridge kind of packaged way through our own facilitators, yes, which yes. is pretty cool. Yeah, so this Next Level Leadership Program um, was a, a Canada-wide initiative that actually has spread. And now when Joan and Karen and I are up at the studio every fall going through a recertification, there are often people there from South America, from Australia, from Europe, also coming to get certified in this material to take it back to their churches. So it's become a pretty big thing and um, yeah, just something really, really cool to be a part of. Yeah, very cool. Um, one of the things I want to dig into today as we celebrate this, again, kind of Mother's Day weekend, it's a really great time to celebrate this, are some State of the Union yeah. comments. So, you know, given that God's been moving among us in this way now for probably seven or eight years, um, what are we seeing God do through these investments these days? Start with just our existing female leaders. You're one of them. You've lived in the Board of Elders circle. Uh, you're on our senior leadership team. You run a department in here. You're, you know, you graze around the staff every day. Sure. Um, you know, you're part of a Vineland location. So you, you got a good purview of this. What, what are you seeing in our existing female leaders? How are things, how have things been changing? Yeah, I mean, um, I want to say half of our staff now is female. Does that sound about right? That is statistically correct, okay. yes. Uh, half of our leadership team is made up of, of females. So it almost doesn't even really feel like it's an issue anymore. Like it's so normal that men and women lead this family of God together, which really is is the goal. And so I think for, for those of us who are, are females and we're leading around here, at least I can only speak for myself. I just want to lead better. I want to lead well for the people that are watching me and for my own integrity and for the generation coming up behind me, for my daughters. So um, I know when I talk to Ellen, I mean, she is just so proud of us and, and the way that we have really had a posture as a church of being humble and teachable and wanting to grow and taking her recommendations so seriously and taking them to heart um, which is something that, and we can talk about this a little bit uh, later as we get into this, but that's pretty rare. That's pretty rare and that's pretty unique. And so, um, of course, do we have ways to go? Absolutely. Are there some areas of growth for myself, for all of us as leaders? A hundred percent. But it, it feels like even looking at our BCWI scores, 
which is um, you've talked about yeah, this on the podcast before. Survey that we do among our staff. Yeah, like even the gap between how how women would score and how men would score is basically non-existent. You know, there, yeah, there's female score slightly higher now. That's right. So that's, that's right. That's been encouraging. So our I feel like I feel like our culture is is good yeah, and things, growing. Things have been changing, and things I changing. I would I would affirm. Uh, certainly from our perspective, we, we do see uh, still a long way to go. Yeah. I think at the public role modeling, uh, certainly at the biblical communication, mm-hmm. preaching, teaching, even worship leading, hosting, a lot of the, you know, when you're, when you're in the congregation, what you see mm-hmm. uh, isn't necessarily, uh, I would say isn't nearly as normalized as we would like sure. it. Sure, sure. But I, I do appreciate your perspective, Carrie internally in the day-to-day kind of meeting rhythms of mm-hmm. the meetings and departments and ministries around the offices, uh, it, it definitely feels different than it did back in the day. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So uh, there's there's been substantive change and yet lots of room to lots keep room changing, to I would That's say, right. at, at one level. Yeah. We're not taking our foot off the gas pedal just yet. <laughs> um, what have you noticed about Brave Girl participants or about graduates or alumni or what, 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 What's the oh, state of the union question. there? Yeah, um, a couple things. I mean, on the one hand, as I mentioned, more and more girls are opting in to be a part of the alumni um, experience. And so that's just amazing. The alumni has really taken off. So not only do they have their monthly meetings and they have four fantastic leaders, these guys now do day-long retreats and Christmas parties and socials, and, and they have really experienced just a a level of belonging and community. And um, this year they've just gone through um, understanding their strengths through the Strengths Finder assessment and really understanding that once you know your strengths, your level of resiliency is just that much higher and, and you're able to just lean into the gifts God has given you. And so that's just amazing. You know, even things like as a community, we all read through the book um, by Jeff Mannion, The Dream Big, Lead Small. Our alumni girls read through that book. And so they are just beginning to see themselves as leaders around here. I've mentioned this before, but um, as I look around our, our family ministry on a Sunday morning, so many of our brave leaders are leading our kids and leading the generation like that's under them. And nowhere is that more true than in our alumni girls. These are girls that are a part of our student leadership through current. They're leading in MS, They're leading in, in worship. They're, they're like killing it. Um, it's actually interesting. So the, when we have our monthly meetings, um, we meet on the third Monday of the month and we always meet in the cafe and we begin with snack and we begin with worship and um, often we'll have a, a video or a story or something to kind of kick us off um, on the right foot for the evening. And then we break up into our groups, all the year ones together, years two, year three, and so on. And what we've been doing over the last three months is the alumni girls have been taking turns And they've been sharing with us basically um, a little bit about their leadership journey and how they connect with God. And so um, we just had Brave Girls um, not too long ago, and we had two of our alumni girls share um, about female role models in their lives that have inspired them and how that has inspired them to really live out what it means to be brave and, and how that's impacted their leadership. And they put together this presentation. I'm talking like PowerPoint, like 10 out of 10 uh, for our girls. And as I was sitting at the back watching this presentation, I was like, I could honestly leave through the back door and these girls could take over the leading of Brave. Like their ability to articulate, um, you know, their ability to command a room, the kind of quality of, of material with which they were sharing, 
the way that they owned it, they live it. These are mini preaches, right? This is like yeah. all of us as leaders were just looking at each other, going like, "What is happening? These girls are preaching. These girls are like absolutely embodying what." this whole program is about. And it was just a really beautiful moment. So that's just a small taste of, of how we can see how God is, is moving in our midst. Um, and yeah. you tapped, you tapped into this as well. Like you've got participants in next level leadership. You've got participants in brave girls. You've also got leaders in these programs mm. that God is doing amazing things in developing their leadership by leading in these programs. Yeah. Can you talk about that or give us some stories or state of the union at that level? About how these girls are leading? Just the leaders of these programs and how they're, uh, you know, what God's doing in them by leading in these programs. And oh. especially in Brave Girls, uh, you know, it's, it's a... a hotly desired ministry for people to serve in yeah. because they know that they're going to grow so much by being a leader in this, not just a participant. So absolutely, absolutely. I'm never at a, I'm never at a loss for people that would love to be a part of leading brave girls with me. Yeah. I think because as leaders, I mean, the kind of books we're reading, the kind of conversations we're having, the proximity to Ellen, the retreats, all of that. I mean, of course it's impacting the girls and of course it's impacting our culture and, and we have a, a view on, on where this will lead us as a church, but none of us can deny that it's also growing our confidence. It's also deepening our convictions and even our understanding of of what leadership looks like um, in a Jesus-centered way. And I think that's the, that's the thing about this program, Brave Girls, that I really love and appreciate is, um, of course, there's all kinds of leadership programs out there, whether it's through community groups or schools, and those are amazing. And many of our Brave Girls are involved. In fact, I was at my, this is a tangent, but I was at my daughter's school not too long ago. And as I was looking at the the board of all of the student council, I was like, um, hello, that's all of our brave girls right there. <laughs> so very cool. Um, but anyways, yeah, what I love so much about this program and how it's developed is the way that it, it is so rooted in in Jesus and in the Jesus way and in who um, God calls us to be as leaders. And I just think that, you know, of course, there, there's courage and there's voice, but then there's also this, this element of kindness and bridge building and collaboration and just all of that together is just really beautiful. Um, so as leaders, we want to become those kinds of people. And so being around the girls, being around each other, growing together, like it, it's a gift. It's, yeah, it's cool. pinch me level. Um, a hundred percent opportunity to be a part of. Absolutely. Um, beyond the state of the union, uh, let's dive in a little bit just to some of where we're seeing God move us in the future yeah. or opportunities or doors that it feels like God is opening. I know there's a very cool one uh, with our brave girls as part of really a very rare mm. uh, group of brave girls across the country. Uh, tell this story because this is quite inspiring. Yeah. So, um, as I mentioned, Karen Mackay, Joan High, and I, every fall, we head up to the leadership studio to get trained and recertified in this next level material. And um, we've done that now for three years. We'll go again uh, this fall as well. And that's a real highlight for us. And we have become friends with a girl by the name of Karen Ward. She lives in the Dundas type area just outside of Hamilton. And she has been actually leading next level material at a First Nations reserve. It's about five hours north of Thunder Bay. It's called Mishgigogame, Mish for short. And so she has just 
fallen in love with this community. She has connected with them through camping ministry in the past and through some connections with her dad. And now um, she just has a beautiful relationship with the, with this community. There's about 2,000 people that live on the reserve. And she's been teaching all kinds of things about um, female leadership. And, and that's really beautiful. So we connect with her every year. Anyways, um, this past, sorry, last summer, Karen was approached by the chief um, at Mish. And uh, this community was given a grant from the government. And I forget the name of the grant, but essentially the grant was about keeping girls alive. And so they were given a sum of money to help keep these girls alive because the reality is the risks, whether it's substance abuse, whether it's suicide, um, yeah, there was an issue up there where we needed to cut or they needed to keep girls from ending their lives. Things are that serious. Things are that serious and it's, it's pretty extreme. And so Karen was approached basically with this government grant and said, like, would you be able to help us use this money wisely? Is there any program you know that might be able to help us address some of these issues? And so the first thing that popped into Karen's mind was, oh, this sounds like a Brave Girls program. And she only knew about Brave Girls because we'd become friends with her and we'd been up there at the studio. So she immediately contacted Ellen and started to dream about and, and, um, and plan for a Brave Girls program up at Mish. Uh, long story short, Karen thought that she would just go up there and launch this program and leave it in their hands and they would run with it. And so she went up in September and kicked it off with a, a bunch of girls. I want to say there is 12 of them. And she went for the first month and, and, and that was really good. And then she thought, okay, great. I'll leave this with you. And they said, no, 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 no. You have to come back every month. So now our friend Karen is up there monthly running a Brave Girls program. And so anyways, really, really cool. And her and I have talked about um, – you know, what that looks like. And then when I was leaving Muskoka Woods this past fall, she said to me, pulled me aside and she said, you know, you need to come with me to Mish. And I'm like, and I already had this kind of like my heart was pounding knowing that was the next step. And I'm like fearful and excited and all those things. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I know. Anyways, again, fast forward a few months, we had Karen come down um, here to St. Catharines and she led something called the blanket exercise with our year three and alumni girls. I think this was right before Christmas. And the blanket exercise, in a nutshell, is is the story of the First Nations people in Canada. And, and it's understanding their history and it's understanding, uh, you know, where they are today and why that is. And it's a very emotional experience. And, and she brought a friend of hers, um, Tristan, who, who is a part of the Mish community, and, and he led that with her. And he's just a, a beautiful, gracious person. And by the end of that experience, the leaders, and especially the girls, were just weeping with devastation about just how this community of people in our country has been treated over the years and what it would look like for us to be a part of of building a bridge and a part of the reconciliation and a part of the healing. Karen contacted me after that and she said, Carrie, I lead that blanket exercise all over the place. And she said, I have never led it like I've led it with those girls at Southridge. Something happened in that room. Those girls were so moved. God is up to something. She said, I have an idea. She said, what if we were to pair your girls, your Southridge Brave girls, with our Mish Brave girls to start with in, in, a, in a pen pal relationship? She said, we would call it Brave Pals. They would write letters back and forth. They would talk about what they're learning. They would encourage each other in what it means to be brave, what it means to know that they are the beloved. And so I said, you know, of course, we're collaborative. I'll talk to my leaders. But of course, I, instantly I was like, how you know, can we you not? Know we're doing I know we're yeah, doing this. Yeah. 
and my leaders were just like ruined by this and absolutely and so on. And so um, so that that is underway and that's just really, really cool. The Mish girls actually just had their first retreat at the leadership studio with Ellen um, in April. And so even our leaders and our girls were able to pray for them as they were there. You know, for some of those girls, it was their first time on an airplane. And it was just a, a really, really big deal. Um, yeah, is there more you want me to say on that? I could go on. Just, <laughs> I mean, this is so, this is so new. Yeah. But something that seems so cool. And I mean, it's almost like anchor cause level within the brave, you know, yeah. ministry and, you know, where these relationships could go once, you know, you get a chance or you and some brave leaders or ultimately you and some brave girls or brave alum uh, yeah. get to go and visit Mish. And, and or maybe meet at the studio or whatever. Exactly. Like, uh, you know, this is one of those early moments that I think five years from now we'll look back and say, wow, we had no idea what God was going to do. But we we are pretty clear that we sense God's doing something. Yeah. Here's what can I say? I One more thing to that. Sure. So we were up at the studio in um, March. So we had our uh, a weekend there, the third weekend of March. We had our year one girls there for a retreat. And then our year three girls are there the same weekend for their graduation retreat. And on the Saturday morning of that, of that retreat, um, it was just a beautiful morning. And Ellen had taken us snowshoeing. And so we had gone snowshoeing for the morning. And we were heading back. And um, I was just talking to Ellen, really just soaking up time with her. I mean, she's become such a mentor for me and, and really so much to learn from her. And I said to her, I said, you know, um, obviously she is thrilled with the partnership between the Mish girls and the Southridge girls. And, and she just feels that's just such a beautiful picture of the kingdom. And um, I said to her, you know, now that she wrote a book that came out last year called Brave Woman, and she has another book coming out actually this year for younger girls. So we we're talking a bit about that. And I said to her, like, you know, now that like books have come out and your research is being published and now that you know you even have like language of brave girls I said like how many how many programs do you have across Canada that are using this curriculum that 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 you've created and that we've created and she stopped and she looked at me and she said Carrie there are two Southridge and Mish and I was like really like that's it I, I kind of assumed like you know with the this is part of every church across the country. Well, yeah, I knew it wasn't is... a part of every church, but I assumed with like the, the amount of work that she's put into helping us create this curriculum. I will say, I may not have mentioned this, but like the Southridge Brave Girls program is a pilot project. Yeah. And so yeah. it's been evolving and growing. So I kind of assumed that, you know, this is now like being launched in a Brave Girls program at a church in London and somewhere in BC and out right. east. Yeah, it's in the GTA. Yeah. Exactly. And she said to me, she said, Carrie, what you need to know is she said, people call me, people write to me, people meet with me all the time about how their churches can empower and equip women. She said, but very few churches ever take me up on it and actually want to do the hard work that's involved in becoming the kind of church that equips and empowers women. And she said, in fact, um, and not to make you uncomfortable, Jeff, but she said, in fact, she said, the only pastor that has ever said yes is Jeff Lockyer. And I'm sitting there like um, snowshoeing back with her. And Shocked. The, and the girls are up ahead. <laughs> and I'm like, and I kind of know this, but I kind of don't. And, and you kind of can't imagine why every church wouldn't be doing this. And yet you know that, 
there's so much work and intentionality that goes into it. You also know that it's not just a um, a program that you can add on to what's already happening. It has to come from within. It has to come in a way that's, you know, like all of the leadership, the elders, everybody is on board. And, and so in that moment, again, it was just like this beautiful day, like this, the snow was just like white as could be and the sun was shining. And, and it was just this moment of like, do we even realize what we're a part of? Um, there are two programs, two Brave Girls programs that exist and we're one of them. And so, um, yeah, I came home just, just really realizing what a gift that was, not wanting to take that for granted, wanting my leaders to, to be at a, you know, pinch me level. Guess what we get to be a part of? Like we are shaping the culture of our church, but who knows what else? Like who knows how other, how, um, many other ways that we are also just, paving a path for other churches yeah, and other women. And, and I mean, we're definitely finding in that uniqueness that God is leveraging us as a voice uh, for women in the church. Yeah. Remember last spring, or rather last fall, uh, you know, Willow Creek, who's been navigating quite yeah. a bit around the Me Too issues, uh, the Willow Creek Association had created an event as a learning environment for them where they were going to get outside voices to address uh, some of the Me Too subjects. And they had clinical psychologists and family therapists and uh, abuse uh, experts and all, all, ki- all kinds of different voices. And the, in, the, in the final section of sessions, they wanted to paint this vision of better together. And so they had Danielle Strickland speak uh, a word to women. And they had a guy who's speaking at the GLS this summer named Devon Franklin uh, speak a word to men. But they wanted someone to speak a word to the church and basically to cast this vision that in this Me Too culture, it doesn't need to just be about protecting women at the expense of opportunity for women, but that you can actually both try to raise the profile of protecting women and raise the profile of promoting women in the church. And uh, so they had asked me to give this talk and just share for 20 minutes the the story of Southridge and Ellen and Brave and Next Level and whatever. And it was a similar kind of awakening for me. I mean, obviously, I've got good relationships with all these people. I serve on the board of the Willow Creek Association here in Canada. So I've been connected with these people for years and thought they're just kind of asking me because they know me. They had no other options, right? There was no other picture of a church trying to do the hard work and face honestly the blind spots and do the repenting and all all that around trying to become Mm -hmm. a picture of spiritual moms and spiritual dads parenting the family together instead of just being content to be this impenetrable boys club. And it was really quite an awakening for me to realize, wow, do we realize, you know, what, what we get to be a part of here? So uh, I guess in the interest of time, I, I, we're, I don't want us to not land on that, yeah, you know, gratitude. Good. But uh, is there any final encouragement uh, that you would want to share to our members so that you have the last word as we pursue this vision of spiritual moms and spiritual dads parenting his family together? Any last encouragement? Um, I would say, you know, in the spirit of yesterday being Mother's Day and in, in the spirit of wanting um, to just encourage all of us females that um, – you know, again, back to Ellen, she would say that most women, many women struggle to see themselves as leaders. And yet the truth is the gifts that women bring to leadership, um, you know, the stories, the experience, the way that they build bridges, the way that they collaborate, the way that they see things is so needed. And so for the church to be healthy, 
women and men need to lead the family of God together. And if that means as a as a female that you need to do your own hard work, you need to wrestle with your insecurities, you need to be mentored, whatever it is you need to do, I guess my my final encouragement would be it's actually not just about you. It's it's about the girls that are watching. It's about the next generation that's maybe not even born yet. Because um you know, I've heard this quote before, and you've probably heard it as well, that, you know, what was once our glass ceiling, we want it to be their floor. And so we just want no obstacles for the girls that are growing up in our community so that there could be the kind of communication and the kind of leadership that we dream of for for the females in our midst so that truly um, men and women could lead the family of God together here at Southridge, but really in the Capital C Church and again, I, I just think that it's a beautiful picture of the kingdom. I think that everybody wins when men and women lead together. And I think that the church should be on the front lines of this. Yeah. From a justice perspective, this matters. Yeah, because it's not even about women per se or even the church per se. This is about the world getting to see with greater clarity the fullness of both the maternal and paternal heart of God. It's not even about leading in so much as it's about us as leaders and us as a community together representing Jesus better in the world. And so let's all appreciate how big a deal this is. Let's appreciate the significance of what God's doing and the leadership that he's providing through these key female leaders like yourself and your team, Carrie. Thanks so much for being here. And uh, thanks to all of you for joining us again uh, for another one of these conversations as we continue as a church community to be finding our way. Take care.